Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 89. And today I'm going to be talking about conspiracy theories and uh, therapy. And this was this conversation was prompted by a listener's question. So, so if you have any questions, and it, and I really enjoyed kind of taking it on, and um, and I've gotten good feedback. It's off of a YouTube video again uh, over at the Radical Therapist YouTube channel. Um, but if uh, you have some questions, please don't hesitate, or something you want me to take on, uh, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email at the Radical Therapist at gmail dot com. And a couple other just kind of quick announcements. Please always rate and review the show if you could and share with a friend uh, just so that's how we get out there. And um, please do find me on the social media as we have a Radical Therapist Facebook page, a Radical Therapist Instagram. And uh, yeah, would be uh, would love to engage with you on those formats. I'm starting to do some at the at the, at the Dr. Chris Hoff. Instagram page. I've been doing some Instagram lives that something you might be interested in. We I just spoke with Michelle Myers about uh, the anti or the undercover anti bullying team. So stuff you might be interested in. Um, and I and I have I think you know more interesting stuff coming up. So come find us on the social media. So uh, so yeah, let's talk about. Uh, like I said, this was uh, this is was as a conversation that was prompted by a listener's uh, question about some struggles she was having uh, in the work around conspiracy theories. And we have a lot going on in that area currently in our, at least in the States, in our culture and what's going on. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. And here's my take on how to do uh, some work in the midst of conspiracy theories. Hello, everybody. Dr. Chris Hoff here. Time for another Kitchen Table Talk. And today we have a big one. We're talking about conspiracy theories and how to work with them in therapy. Recently, I received a message from Christy, who is a social worker based in Chicago. And she wrote, hello, hope you're doing well today. I am a fan of your work. Thank you, Christy. And have a question that I wondered whether you might be willing to address. I'm a clinical social worker who works as a therapist for a nonprofit. Recently, I've noticed more of my clients getting sucked into pretty extreme fringe conspiracy theories. I've done some reading on how to approach this and I've tried a couple different tactics, but I feel like I keep hitting a wall. It's very important to me to be as client-centered as possible. That's great, Christy. Uh, so deciding whether to challenge or address these beliefs at all has been difficult. And she goes on to ask me if I can kind of maybe prov- provide some some insight, and that's what I'm going to try to do today. So let me start by taking the position that uh, conspiracy theory is still theory, and that maybe it's not great theory, but it's still theory. So, And also to situate my thinking on this topic, uh, let me share with you uh, a quote or a, write, a piece of writing from French philosopher Bruno Latour, who in his seminal paper titled Why Critique Has Run Out of Stream and if, uh, Steam, and if you haven't read that, you should, where he begins to kind of make the c- comparison or point out the similarities between uh, the conspiracists and the popularized teachable version of social critique you see everywhere today. So 
his quote goes, quote, in both cases, you have to learn to become suspicious of everything people say, because of course, we all know that they live in the thralls of complete uh, illusion of their real motives. Then after disbelief has struck, an explanation is requested for, for what is really going on. In both cases, it is the same appeal to powerful agents hidden in the dark, acting always consistently, continuously, relentlessly. Of course, we in the academy, and I'm going to put myself in that category, we in the academy like to use more elevated causes like society, discourse, knowledge slash power, field of forces, empires, capitalism, while conspiracists like to portray a miserable bunch of greedy people with dark intents. But I find something troubling similar in the structure of the explanation. So uh, basically, in other words, Latour believes that conspiracy theories are an absurd deformation, deformation of our own arguments. So, and often you're seeing it now, he wrote this over 10 years ago, and now you're seeing it now, this kind of um, us against them, um, and this idea that, you know, that we think some of these conspiracy theorists are, you know, where, where are they getting these ideas, where they also are starting to undo um, things of real importance like climate science or systemic racism or even capitalism, for example, because they're claiming that the, un the unforeseen forces at play aren't there. So, so trying to use our standard critical tools like deconstruction and reason against conspiracy theory is doomed to failure. That's the point I'm trying to make. And when you're trying to unravel conspiracy theory using a particular critical framework, that same framework can be used against your conceptualizations for larger social constructions of problems, right? So, and I think this is where we find ourselves locked in this binary of us versus them. So let's take a look at how conspiracy theories may take a hold of people. Well, there's lots of ideas around this, but I look to a couple of conceptualizations. We live in complex times. Uh, increasingly, people are challenged uh, to respond ever to ever more challenging, complex, and competitive conditions. Uh, these challenges can be quite overwhelming. This is where it would be helpful to know about epistemic trust or epistemic vigilance. So what is epistemic trust? It is an individual's willingness to consider new knowledge as trustworthy and relevant and therefore worth integrating into our lives. And uh, in contrast, epistemic mistrust is character characterized by inflexible thinking patterns and a difficulty to learn from a social environment. So epistemic trust is historically and culturally embedded and it ranges from micro-social to macro-social forms. So a wide range of social cultural conditions contributes or doesn't contribute to who you find trustworthy as opposed to untrustworthy. And maybe look at our own, who do we find trustworthy? Who do we find untrustworthy? And how did that come to be? So in the face of a complex world, which we definitely have right now, uh, a world we need help navigating, we look to folks, many we don't even know or who don't have any credible authority for answers in how to make our way, what we can trust and what we should be vigilant about. Of course, there's a lot of in-group dynamics at play here as do they look like us, do they talk like us and seemingly think like us. This is what makes us vulnerable to these kinds of conspiracy theories. So. Uh, another conceptualization I, a conceptualization I find interesting is this new cocktail of overstatement of harm uh, in our contemporary culture in kind of the tradition of Sarah Schulman. 
uh, Western individualism coupled with isolation and the hero's journey metaphor, when this cocktail comes together, which it does often, believers feel themselves misunderstood and victimized and that they are fighting the good fight that nobody recognizes. Keep that in mind. These sorts of narratives serve to paint the the conspirator as a protagonist in a hero's journey. Very important. And finally, any good conspiracy theory works to drain any complexity from the scene. They tend to be very black and white, and it reduces people down to good versus evil, of course. But we know, we know, people are multi-storied, and conspiracy, like any good problem story, has the ability to totalize an experience of the world. When things are scary, it's common to begin to try to reduce complexity and make our world smaller, which can be problematic and make us more vulnerable to conspiracy theories. So, what can we do? Well, Adam Grant's new book, which I haven't read, quite honestly, calls for complexifying of issues, complexity as the antidote to reduction and single stories. Research also shows that what actually wins people over is deep listening, asking questions, and appealing to values. Uh, so first, uh, here, here we go and take it with a grain of salt. First, I would slow the work down. That may seem counterintuitive uh, to adding complexity, but the complexity will come from the questions we ask, right? Uh, and double listening can be very helpful here. Implicit in any conspiracy theory are values, fears, beliefs, things rendered important, problems, etc. If we're listening uh, uh, for what's uh, underneath or what, what is uh, standing against any good conspiracy theory, right? So through double listening and asking of landscape of action and landscape of meaning questions, you may get at values and meanings. If you don't know what those are, I'm going to do a video on that eventually. I'll get at all this stuff eventually. But So getting values may support the development of a strong protagonist outside of the dominant conspiracy theory. You might also widen the lens by adding other voices or have them looking at things through other eyes. So asking questions that make visible what others don't see, how, what others who don't see it their particular way might be valuing in an attempt to find common ground. So another consideration is how we might counter isolation or expand who might be trustworthy in someone's life, who is under the, insp- under the influence of conspiracy theorists. Who else might support them in new initiatives they might produce in your conversation? So uh, for example, uh, Christy mentioned that she's bumped, one conspiracy theory she's bumping into is this idea of the Agenda 21 conspiracy theory, but which I hadn't really heard of until she mentioned it to me, which states that the pandemic is part of the UN secret plan to depopulate the world. So I wrote down some quick questions for what it's worth, just a potential line of inquiry. So if somebody was telling me a story about that, I might ask a question. It seems to me you have concern for people, you know, <laughs> that there is a concern for people and implicit in that, uh, that concern about that conspiracy theory. And because it's a UN type conspiracy theory, I might ask, are other, incult- other cultures important to you? And, um, and maybe, hopefully, if, some, if we start to go down this line, the other questions might be, how did you come to appreciate other cultures? Uh, what, was, uh, what was an early influence in this? Or who might be an influence in this? Or who might be a guide to this? This is where we start to maybe bring other people into the story. 
And, uh, and then finally, maybe another question, you know, and this is done over time, but how might you support other cultures in your community? So this is one of those things that's kind of complexifying, trying to stick, stay away from a single story, trying to step outside of the problem story or the conspiracy story, right? So it's always best practice to kind of stay curious, avoid assumptions, ask about their meaning, uh, experience, and preferences, always with the mind to lean into complexity, nuance, and uncertainty. That was a lot, Christy. That was a great question. Thank you for that. I hope this was helpful. I will try to go more in depth in some of these things that I've talked about um, because I know we're seeing more and more of this kind of conspiracy theory, at least in my, uh, my circle. I'm seeing a lot of it as well. Uh, and for just for no, uh, when I was teaching at a university that will will remain unnamed, I was with graduate students, and somehow uh, the moon, the lunar landing came up, and it turned out that half half the students, graduate students in my class, nearly half, uh, believed it to be fake. So uh, conspiracy theories are here, and this is maybe a, an idea how to work with them. Uh, so thank you, Christy, for the question. Thank you, everybody, for watching. And as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff, and I appreciate you watching. Peace. So that's our show. And as always, uh, thanks for listening. You can see that audio, that audio piece. Uh, you can see it on video, me doing that on video. And there are some graphics attached to it at the Radical Therapist YouTube channel. So don't hesitate to go check that out. And... Um, yeah, like I said earlier, come find me on all the social medias. And if you do have any other questions like uh, Christy had that you might want me to take on, please let me know. And I would be happy to do that. So as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff. This has been the Radical Therapist Podcast. And thank you for listening.